Can I just give you something this morning? I just felt like the Lord was just saying, you know, some of us maybe not convinced that, well, we would say it religiously that we were, that last phrase that we kept singing, I was made for loving, I was made for loving Him. We probably say it religiously, but there's something I think the Lord just, I don't know, I felt like the Lord was just saying this morning that you were really made for loving the Lord. Like that, that really from creation, I mean, if you think about it, I'm, I'm just a logic math guy. I mean, you know, I just think logically if, you know, if, if we go back to the creation and you were created in his image, and if God is love, then what were you created in? Love. Like that's really the, the foundation of how you were created. And loving and then, well, how does that express itself? Loving him, of course, first and foremost, but loving one another. So if you ever find yourself outside of loving people, just realize, all right, I'm just outside of what God's really created me to be, created me to walk in. So I, I just felt like somebody needed to hear that this morning. You really created to love God. And maybe you've been distracted with this, that, and the other. I just pray that you'll get back to that place where not only that you were made to love Him, but He really loves being loved by you. Really, He really does love being loved by you. And maybe you've been convinced because of sin and weights that seem to entangle us. You know, that from that Hebrews passage, you might have thought that the Lord has stopped really loving to be loved by you, but He really loves to be loved by you. I just wanted to speak that. Somebody needed to hear that. Maybe all of us need I needed to hear it. So. That's for free. Y'all don't have to pay for that one. Everything else from now on. Yeah. Um really felt like the Lord was just, um, man, last week was really, really good for me. I mean, I just really experienced the Lord just, just in a, I'd say a new, fresh way. He just, he just came and just walked with us last week and just in a cool way. And I shared, I didn't even get to share what I, mostly what I shared in this service. I didn't even get to share it in the second service, but, but I shared around it. And the, the place I felt like the Lord was calling us back to is just that Hebrews 11.11. 11. Um, I mean, 111. We will hit Hebrews 11.11, but Hebrews 1.11. You know, just really, we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about foundations of faith. And um, and, and it really just, the Lord just highlighted, you can't leave the Scripture yet. And, and it's basically that place of the assurance of, and I always say, I'll, I've always said it, the assurance of things hoped for. Um, that's really, I mean, technically in the Greek, it just says, it's the assurance of hope. There's really no things hoped for. There's no things in there. I think sometimes when I think of things hoped for, I start thinking of things I can hope in other than God. And that's really, we'll talk about that later here in just a second. But it's the assurance of, of hope. And it's also the evidence of things not seen. And we really established that. And um, Michelle uh, Davidson had come up after me after the service because you know, I had shared some things about even when we're walking in hard times, when I see a, a, a Jim Ebel you know, not standing, when I've declared that, and m- many of us have declared that he's going to, he is going to stand. But we've sat and walked with him. Not, I'm sorry, he's not there. I'm just, I always point there because if you don't know Jim, Jim, he's in a wheelchair, had an accident in his back. But, but there's a place that, you know, what is is faith seeing is. Is, does, is faith established when I see this man get out of this wheelchair or is faith established 
when I don't see him get out of the wheelchair and I still believe. And I, that, I felt like the Lord saying, you've got to come back to this. That's something that's got to be like supernaturally like, like solidified within us. And Michelle came up afterwards, because I used Henry as well. You know, Henry and Brandon, you know, we've gone through several deaths in our body that's been really hard, really hard. And, uh, and she just felt like the Lord was just speaking to her in relationship to that. And so I'm going to come let, let her come and share just some testimony and some, some word with us. And so I want to invite her to come up and do that. I am Michelle Davidson, and I don't usually like getting up here and speaking. <laughs> it's just really hard for me. I a lot of times feel like I don't have a voice. I don't really, you know, nobody really wants to hear what I have to say. Well, he reassured me of that last night that I do have something to say. I was writing out and just praying a lot last night and stayed up really late, just just letting him love on me and speak to me um, as I was just kind of writing some thoughts out and. And I found this, Joe and I have been like purging our house today, (laughs) I mean this week, and just going through a lot of stuff. And I found this, I found this journal entry, and I just like set it aside. And I picked it up last night before I went to bed. And it's it's back in um, August of 2011, and it says, it says a lot of things, but the thing that the Lord was speaking to me in this journal entry was, you have a voice and a testimony, and I want you to share it. So it was just a confirmation like, Okay. <laughs> All right, God. And it just really gave me a lot of peace. So I just really felt compelled that I really needed to share after Mitch spoke last week about faith. I know it's been a subject we've talked a lot about lately. And I now and I now have gotten to the point where I can hear it and not cringe. And you're probably wondering why. But Mitch shared a lot that spoke straight to my heart. One of the keys he shared was, it is faith. Is there any way we can lower that? It's like really bright. <laughs> Maybe if I um, one of the key things he shared was it is faith even when you continue to pray and don't see healing. That brought tears to my eyes because I've been so frustrated by not seeing healing this year and feeling like my faith was vanishing. So I needed to go back just a little bit to explain why I was feeling this way. So just bear with me a little bit. It's kind of a lot, but it really ties all together. So many of you know, maybe a lot of you don't know, that... Um, Almost a year ago this month, um, my precious four-year-old nephew, Henry, was diagnosed with brain tumor. Henry is the son of Jesse, Joe's sister. Joe's my husband. And um, Ian, our brother-in-law, and they live in Atlanta, Georgia. A month before we found out about his tumor, Joe and I were on a family vacation in the Outer Banks with our two boys, Joseph, almost three, and Micah, who is only five months when we were packing up to go home, Joseph kept saying, I just want to go to Aunt Jessie's house. And he hadn't been there in a year or so, so it was just random that he was saying that. Two hours into the trip, and when Joseph's still talking about it, we decided that maybe we should listen to our prophetic son. So we called Jessie, and of course she was thrilled and said, yes, 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 please come. So while we were there, we did see some differences in Henry. We saw some trembling, and he was really just didn't like loud noises and but no one was thinking a brain tumor you had a precious time with them and one of my favorite memories was watching joseph henry and mary mary is henry's little sister 
running in the backyard and Jesse clapping and cheering, run, babies, run, run, babies, run. And they were just laughing and giggling and having the best time. When the whole family found out about Henry's tumor, we were in utter shock, but clinging to Jesus in prayer. Joe wrote an amazing, powerful prayer that day and set it out on Facebook to many who shared with us that they were praying and standing with us. Joe went down for Henry's surgery September 25th, which was halted. The surgery was halted early because Henry lost about three liters of blood. Henry was in the hospital for four weeks with Jesse caring for him 24-7 and and some of the most hardest moments for her. Jesse and Ian decided the best choice for Henry was to bring him home on hospice care because they didn't want him going through all those treatments with just a little survival rate. They wanted him to have quality of life. Joe and I and the boys made a trip to Atlanta as soon as we could. Another precious memory was watching Henry walk through that door after a few months of not being able to see him and him going through all that he was going through. He walked in that door, had a huge smile on his face and said, Hi, Aunt Mimi, and gave me the biggest hug. That same night, I had this warm feeling coming over my hands while we were, Jesse and Ian and Joe and I were praying we were praying for Henry, and, and I felt so strong I needed to go back and lay my hands on Henry while he slept. So Jesse and I went back, laid our hands on him, and I really felt like I could feel something move in his head, and so does Jesse. I was pumped, and I was like, God's doing something. I really felt with all my heart that he was healing Henry. I started going to healing class, wanting to soak up whatever I could about healing. Joe and me and the boys went down to Atlanta any time we could get away. My thoughts then were, I just want to get down there. I just want to lay my hands on him and pray for him and spend as much time with him. For the first, for the first few times we went, we saw tremendous progress. And we were very hopeful that his chamberlain did return. Joe and I were trying to be the strong ones for family, for Jesse and Ian and Mary and Joe's dad and Joe's stepmom and Joe's mom. We knew they were so worn down mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We would pray and get pumped up with worship and ready to walk in that door to be strong for them. And by the end of the day, we were just drained. Yet they were dealing with this 24-7. But still, our family was really united and standing on the truth that God did not cause Henry's tumor. And the enemy wasn't liking what we were proclaiming. We felt under attack a lot. And during this whole time, Joe and I were dealing with Micah being sick almost constantly and still being a baby. He got cold after cold, bronchiolitis and even pneumonia, and that brought on wheezing. We tried inhalers, breathing treatment, steroids. I was exhausted emotionally with seeing Henry dying before our eyes and Micah being sick a lot. It was God's grace and strength that got me through that. During this time, though, we were seeing a lot of 11-11 on the clock, or on license plates, or just everywhere. We just kept seeing it, and we were just wondering what that was all about. One weekend when we were down there, was um, we went down there, and other churches joined together, and we circled their house to pray for Henry for a miraculous healing, and it happened to be on 11-11. We weren't sure what was going on here, but we knew God was doing something. The week before Henry died, I had a dream that Henry was a teenager jumping on a bed, And I was feeling hopeful about that dream, but wondering if, too, God was just giving me a picture of him in heaven. I called Mims, and I said, all right, what's this about? She encouraged me to keep praying. God was giving me, but God was probably giving me a glimpse of him 
of what he's going to look like in heaven. We left for Atlanta later that day and decided that we just needed to be there to be helpful and pray, pray, pray. We cried out a lot. A lot of you amazing prayer warriors here were praying with us and standing with us. We stayed with our dear friends in Atlanta, Dan and Anna Latshaw. They were so incredible to pray for us and let us lean on them when we were feeling worn down in every way. Can you give me a tissue? (laughs) Two days, though, before Henry passed away, we found out our dear friend Steve Alder died. Um, Many of you know him, but you know Jesse and David and Stephen. And he was very special to me. I'd known him a long time, and he really made me feel like a part of their family. That same day, we got word about the Connecticut shootings. I remember standing in Jesse's kitchen, and I told Jesse that I think I need to send Jesus a GPS because I really want him to come back now. It was just that overwhelming. It felt like death, death was everywhere. The last night before Henry passed, Joe and I went back to lay in bed with him. He was, he was not awake for a while, and we really felt like time was near. We laid there, and you could hear the death rattle that sometimes was unbearable. We held his hand and kissed him and cried out in prayer for healing. Even in the 11th hour, we believed that he would be healed. We worshiped and didn't leave his side. We felt this incredible peace, though. Even though we were going through this traumatic time, it was, we could still feel Jesus in there with us. We brought, we brought Joseph back to see his cousin, and then we brought Micah. Micah and Henry had a special relationship. Even though Micah was so young, he really loved him. And he got so excited when he saw Henry in there. Either that or he was just seeing Jesus and angels in there. Henry's eyes started to flutter when he could hear Micah. And we were like, whoa, amazed, like that he was... We felt (laughs) too many things up here. Um, We saw his eyes started to flutter. Micah, um, with Micah making all these noises, and Henry liked to call Micah Baby Potato because he looked like uh, Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) So Jesse started to say. Henry, do you want Micah to come closer? And he started to pat his chest and started to pound it harder and harder. And he sat up and said, baby potato. We were all in shock and thankful for that moment. After we had left, we, we did find out that he had asked Joe's dad, where, where is Jesus? And he said, well, he, his dad said, well, he's always here with us. And Henry said, no. He was just here, and he's not here right now. So we know Jesus was there in the room with him, ministering to him. We left and headed back to Dan and Anna's, and the next night, Henry passed away. Before he passed, we did hear from Jesse that he, right before he passed, that he, in a very clear voice, said, that sounds like fun. And we we know that Jesus had convinced him that it was okay to come now. So, that brings us, it definitely brought us a lot of peace, knowing that that he was okay with going. Even Henry's celebration service was joyful and peaceful. When Joe and I got back to Virginia, we were passionate to share this incredible love we experienced, even with such a huge loss. 
We wanted others to know God doesn't cause death and that he loves them. Brandon Brinkley passed away, and it was so hard seeing so many struggle with his death. And I had a hard time understanding why he died, and we were all praying for his healing as well. Also saw so many around me really struggling with miscarriages and sickness and other traumatic events. And I had been believing and praying for them so much. We were still dealing with Micah's wheezing during that time and even had to call 911 one night. And I was just starting to feel really worn down and really wanted to see healing from Micah and others. I started asking questions. Why wasn't Henry healed? Why isn't Micah getting healed? Joe and I met with Rick back in April, prayed through being mad at God for not healing Henry. I know he didn't cause his death, but didn't understand why he didn't heal him. I definitely felt better after praying and also shared with Rick that a few days before we met with him, I had a dream that Rick told me to read all of Hebrews 11, all about faith. And I even even said Hebrews 11, 11. I got up the next morning and it was all about faith. And especially I read 11, 11, which says, by faith, even Sarah herself conceived ability, received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time since she considered him faithful who is, promise, who is promised. I was like, okay, God, you're, doing, you're birthing something in me spiritually. Cool. Rick said, definitely birthing something and possibly physically. So we should pray about that. Um, found out, actually, on Mother's Day that I was pregnant with our third child and realized that it was that weekend after that dream that I got pregnant. So it was a shock that after, it was a shock to us because we had tried for two years to get pregnant with Joseph and 10 months to get pregnant with Micah. So I was filled with joy and I was hopeful and I was, my faith was being built back up. And I was just thankful to God that he was faithful to us and bringing life back into our family after such a hard year of seeing so much death. I was doing well for a while, but somewhere, and I'm not sure when, but I got hit with all these questions again. And maybe it was still seeing so many struggle, and here I was having this amazing thing going on in our life. It was hard to be happy at times, and I felt burdened for others. I started asking, why do they have to deal with this hardship? And still asking, why did Henry die? It was really hard around Henry's birthday, because he would have been five. It was hard when Joseph would say, I miss my friend Henry. I went to see him. I remember someone spoke one time that if you have faith, then you will see healing. To be real, I really wanted to scream (laughs) because I had the faith and I didn't see healing with Henry and I wasn't seeing healing with anyone else. So I went to those questions again. It was hard to sing songs of healing or hear about faith. Rick started talking more about it and I was starting to do better. And I still, but I still felt numb and having a hard time pressing into the Lord. Then Stoke the Fire Conference came and I knew I really needed to go. That Saturday morning, I grieved and grieved and just let a lot out. But I still wanted answers. Rick called me over and said, Michelle, you have to stop finding answers. I said, I just feel stuck and I can't move past it. So we prayed that the Lord would take away the questions because they were weighing me down and weren't bringing life or joy. I, rem- I remember feeling released. And the rest of the weekend, I felt amazing peace, even while others were experiencing joy. And I wanted that joy to be restored, but peace is what I needed in that moment. I, had, I didn't feel heavy with those questions anymore, and I could worship freely again. I could finally get back to that heavenly perspective and faith. 
I thought I had lost my faith, but I never lost it. The enemy was trying to kill my faith. I, for, I had forgotten of the character of God, and he was trying to tear me away from my heavenly father who loves me and loves Henry and is taking care of him, and who one day I will get to spend eternity with. An answer to prayer is that Micah is actually doing better. But we are praying for these colder months when they come, because it seems that's when the wheezing does start to come back. But my passion, love, and joy have been, are being restored, and I am praying that for a lot of you today. If you have been dealing with those questions, and it's hindered your love for Jesus and hindered you from seeing his love, then I pray for freedom for you today. I see him as faithful again, and he has always seen me as faithful. I had just forgotten that. Mitch looked at Joe and I last Sunday and reminded us of a text message he sent us the day after Henry died, and it said, Well done, good and faithful servant. I was flooded with tears, and I needed that encouragement then after Henry died, but I needed it so much more last week. Last weekend also, my sister-in-law, Jessie, was sharing her testimony about Henry at Woodland Hills Church in Minnesota, She has had this passion to blog and be real with how she is dealing with her son's death, but clinging to the love of the Father. She shared how a few years ago her picture of God was radically changed from a God that is controlling that brings death to a God that is loving and doesn't cause disease and death, but loves his children. Her testimony is very powerful, and her blogs have encouraged many. And her talk from last week, her talk from last week and her blog entries are all on her website. Um... But what she has to share is way more powerful than what I can share in a matter of minutes of her testimony. If you do want that website, I can give it to you later. But um, God, I just want to say that God is bringing good out of this tragedy. And I know that he can bring good out of other tragedies that you have gone through. And the verse that we really have clung to is, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And I had this revelation this morning as I was thinking about that verse. And I don't know why Henry wasn't healed on earth, but I know that God redeems and he brings good. He brings good to all situations. Thanks, Michelle, for doing that. I'm going to need a tissue myself here. Anybody else need one? And I, I wanted to I wanted to share that because I think some of us are in those places that, you know, it's like you go, whether you go through traumatic events or, or heart events or, you know, deaths, you know, I think, you know, the thing is is that with Jesse, you know, I'm just amazed. I, I haven't gone and listened to the testimony, but just even what Michelle just said, it's like somehow she knew a God, knew of a God that was more controlling and more, you know, dogmatic and this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden she goes through this traumatic event and all of a sudden she comes out on the other side knowing a God that a God of love, a God of victory, a God of, of, of even that the power to to be able to resurrect even in the midst of, a situation like that, you know, resurrect life within them. The cool part is that Henry does live on. I mean, every time she shares a testimony and brings life and peace to other people, that that is his testimony. That's his life living on. But I, but I just encourage us to going back to that place of 
uh, you know, well, now whether Jesse made it out of that alive, you know, and made that transaction, it was a place that she had to choose what to look at, what to see, what to set her hope on. And if she do, if if you don't do that, then then I mean, it, it is life and death. I mean, it is whether a faith is killed or not killed. And I think that's the hard part. And I'm not a big, you know, drama person or, you know, throw big words out there and things like that. But, I mean, it is. There is places that it can be life and death to you. Um, even in that place where Michelle was struggling, it's like, you know, the questions were speaking more than the, the, the character of God. And, you know, we talked about our testimony with losing Nehemiah. And, um, uh, uh, we had to deliver Nehemiah. And, we, uh, it was a baby that a son that we lost, and, and uh, through that whole time, you know, I had to make we had to make this conscious choice daily. Then daily, are we going to believe in the character of God, or are we going to listen to the questions that have been brought? And, and the father just really, I mean, coming out of that, I mean, Nehemiah is still the testimony lives on. He, you know, he might be a cupbearer before the king of kings, but he still is resounds in our in our hearts and our lives. So. I just encouraging that the guy wants to do do some things in that, and, and I just appreciate Michelle coming and giving that testimony. So I just want to kind of go off of that and just, just some things this morning. I just want to speak about real quick about the assurance of things hoped for, evidence or assurance of hope and evidence of things not seen. Because um, I felt like the what we didn't hit last week was there's a place that you know hope, you know assurance of hope that is a part of faith. So what does that mean? Like, what what is that part of it? Because there's a place that, you know, we all, for Henry, for Brandon, we all hoped, you know, in the fact that they would be supernaturally healed here and experiencing life here. I mean, none of, none of us would have probably said we didn't hope for that. Now, the problem is, is that when, when there's a place that, yeah, I can hope for that, but ultimately, where does my hope have to be? Like, is my hope... In whether it was is my hope in whether Henry uh, lives or not is that where my hope in, in the Lord rests or is my hope ultimately just rest in that God is good His character is unfailing. When we lost Nehemiah, we went to the two places. I was like, God, you are good, and God, you are faithful. That's all we. That's all we believe for. I mean, that's all I could. I, I could. I didn't probably even open the Bible for a while. I mean, I didn't. I couldn't. Because all these questions were like resounding, and so I was like, "All right, Lord, God, you're good and you're faithful, and that's all I can believe right now, and that's all I'm gonna." We we came really tight with those two, and that was the character of God. All right, and so there's a place that God wants to really bring assurance of of, of hope, assurance of hope today. Uh, I want to I want to read this scripture in Romans four uh, sixteen. Uh, just walking in a hope against hope. Uh, y'all remember this, and, and this is a lot of this. These scriptures are going to talk about Abraham. We talked a lot about him last week, but but it says, "For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As is, as it is written, a father of many nations, I have made you in the presence of him." Whom he believed, even God, who gives what two things? When he, you know, this this passage is really about him when he was going to go offer offer up Isaac, and Isaac, of course, was the promise. 
He was the promised one. That's, that's who they waited 25, remember last week? 25 years it took between when God spoke that you will have a son until Isaac was born was at, at least 25 years. You know, the first 10, you know, the, the 10 years they had Ishmael, they tried to do it their way and tried to figure out how they were going to make that work for God and, and all that. And of course, you know, we know how that worked out. But the reality is that 15 more years and all of a sudden he's 100 years old. And all of a sudden, that's when God's all of a sudden, boom, you know, there's Isaac. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to go offer him as a sacrifice. Well, that there's a reality. If you offer Isaac as a sacrifice, is that promise dead or alive? That promise will be dead, right? So he built, the only thing that he could reason is the fact that there was two things about God and his character. Okay? God, if, you, if, you, if Isaac is the promise, then there's only two things that can happen. You're either going to raise him from the dead or... You're going to provide another sacrifice. There's only that's the only two options, because your character is completely good. And so all of a sudden it says right here, who gives life to the dead, and calls into being that which does not exist. And look what it says right next: in hope against hope. In hope against hope, he believed. He faithed. There's no real. You can't say faith is not. It's, it's hard to say that as a verb, right? He faith. You, you don't say he faith. You know. In, in the Lord, as he believed. That's the same, it's the same word, he faithed in the Lord. And there's a place where some, sometimes in our lives we've got to set up these hope against hopes. What, what was the hope against hope? It, was, it, was, it, was, it, made, it made it firm. Either, God, you're going to raise somebody, you're going to raise Isaac from the dead or you're going to cause into being that which did not exist. And it was on that foundation that he could just do what he did. Now, any of us, I mean, I don't know about you, I mean, if I heard, you know, go offer up Caleb, my son, you know, and do that, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I'd have to, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, I guess if the Lord visited me and said it, you know, then I would have that same decision. All right, either you're going to, you know, raise him up from the dead or you're going to cause him to being that which does not exist. That is the power of his faith. That is why I think called the father of faith because there was such a foundation of his hope was set and secure. But was his hope set and secure? The reality is that that, faith against, that hope against hope was really a hope in God's character. A hope in God's character. You know, that's really what those foundations were on. And now, we've gone through these situations where we've, you know, we know that God's a healer. So that is his character. So, so sometimes we also, all we, have, we have this wrestling situation where all of a sudden, you know, then it doesn't happen. He, Henry didn't get healed. Brandon didn't get healed. I mean, there's people that you've prayed for that, you know, ultimately didn't get healed. And so then what do I do? It's like, where does that hope go? You know, where do, and where does that hope end? Ultimately, Jesse's made a decision to say, no, my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the fact that he heals. Did I see it? Absolutely not. But that's where faith is established. It's like when I don't see something and I still believe. Don't see the healing, but I still believe that he's a healer. Um, you know, I talked about Heidi Baker last week. You know, most of y'all know Heidi Baker over in Mozambique. I mean, she got crazy words of, of uh, God working through her, moving through her, you know, touching people's eyes and seeing them healed. I mean, she's there two or three years, didn't lay hands on a lot of people. You know, she's about ready to go bankrupt. I mean, it's a crazy, awesome testimony. All of a sudden, you know, 
three years later, almost now she lays hands on people's eyes and they almost heal. All, I mean, she almost has 100% heal rate. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but I mean, it's incredible. And so there's a place that even when she couldn't see that word coming about, she held, held on to it. Remember Rick talking about, you know, when you get a word, make it firm. Um, you know, she held on to it and now she's seeing. But in hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which so shall your descendants be. Um, so there's a place that God wants us to, you know, we're, we're you know, setting up hope. I, I, I do this a lot in counseling, you know, especially uh, walking with college students. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, that whole scenario of, you know, looking for a husband, wife type thing comes up and then all of a sudden maybe that didn't come through and there's a heartbreak and it's it's like this tension, you know. You know, I thought my life was here and now I don't know what my life looks like and or, you know, I'm looking you know, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe this situation will turn. I said, Well, just establish a hope against hope. Either God will raise something up from the dead, which you don't have to make that work, or God will provide another. And it doesn't really matter, does it, at that point? Because if he provides another, do you, I'm thinking whatever God provides is going to be way better than whatever I could get or make happen, right? And so there's a place that, you know, either God, you'll raise that up. I don't have to go try to figure out how I'm going to make it raise up. Sometimes we get caught in that. How can I make this relationship resurrect? You know, God, you'll raise that from the dead or you'll cause into being that which does not exist. Like hope against hope. Then ultimately, then what, what are you free to do? Focus on what? Focus on the Lord. Right? It was so funny. It was so funny. You know, yesterday, you know, the football game's going on. I've, I've realized that if um, if I'm hearing it or seeing it, my heart rate and my, like, interaction with the game kind of gets into it. And I, like, so, you know, so I'm worried about, you know, you start worrying, you know, they get you know, ahead or that we get ahead. You know, you start your... But you know what? It's amazing. If I don't watch it and I don't even think about it, I'm focused on the Lord, right? And so the, ha- the game's gonna ha- the game the game's gonna work itself out. As much as you do all your little, uh, you know, pregame celebration and figure out how you know wear your special hat, it really you know, sorry to burst your bubble, but that's probably not gonna get your team the victory. Now, if you're Alabama, you might have thought that hat did it, but you know they just keep winning. But there's a reality that. There's a reality that, you know, what it does is it frees me up to set my eyes on what's important. You know, not that I'm not going to go watch a game ever again, but there's a place that's amazing when I'm, and when I'm not focused on what the, you know, the in-between looks like. And when, I, when I'm just focused on, it allows me to focus on the Lord. And so there's a place that, you know, sometimes we don't know what the in-between is going to look like. Abraham had 25 years in between when he said it, when God said it, and in between when uh, the Lord birth Isaac for you know that that's a long time but if you know the reality is is if I don't get consumed with that in between I'm able to set my eyes on the Lord set my eyes on the, on the king flip on to the next one hoping hoping in him is the anchor of our soul look at this Hebrews 6 passage but beloved we're convinced of better things concerning you things that occupy salvation though we are speaking in this way for god is not unjust look at this god is not unjust so to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints you know there's god's not unjust he sees that he sees how you love on people he sees how you walk with people all right 
Uh, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. I mean, how many, how many of you guys have gotten in the middle of trying to love people or trying to do the right thing? It just gets tiring. It gets wearying. It got wearying in that process uh, for Michelle and, and Joe. I mean, there was times where, like you said, you, you go down there one day, you're, you're done. Well, they're, they're in it full time. They're in it 24-7. But there's a place that we've got to hold on to the full assurance of hope. Full assurance of hope until the end. Now, because it's, there's something significant. And this is interesting. It says, so that to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So if you ever find yourself sluggish in faith, what, what should you start thinking? What have you lost? What have you lost sight of? The full assurance of what? Hope. Like sometimes if I become sluggish in my faith, or like, you know, I just don't know, I don't, you know. A lot of times we've lost sight of hope. Lost sight of, or maybe we're sticking our hope in circumstances, which of course are destined to go here and there and everywhere like the winds and the waves. Um, there's a place that God wants us to come back. Because look at this next statement it goes. Uh, in the same way, God even desiring more to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable, yeah, let's just make sure I was reading the right one. Unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, same thing, um, two unchangeable things, God cannot lie, it's impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Okay? So think about this. If I put my hope in a circumstance, where is my soul anchored? Where is it anchored? It's anchored to the circumstance. So I will be driven to and fro by the circumstance. It will, I mean, there's just no two, two thoughts about that. There's an anchor. That, hope is, hope does anchor us to places. The hard part is if it, the anchoring is in a circumstance, that circumstance will pull me, drive me. If it is uh, in the Lord, then the Lord's character drives me. The Lord, uh, knowing uh, Him and knowing His Word, that's what drives me. So that's where my hope has to be. Um, because it, the, there's a place of anchoring. Um, it says, but if we, um, oops, sorry, I'm in the wrong place. But I love that. Um, encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. And the hope set before us is the cross. The hope set before us is his character. The hope set before us is what he has done. That's why we've got to remember. We have to put into remembrance what he's done and walk in that. Um, this hope we have is the anchor of our soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. And one that enters within the veil. What is that? What is that? Enters within the veil. What, I mean, what, what would somebody think of in relationship to... If, if God said enters in the, within the veil, what would, what would somebody think of? Holy of Holies, right? Within the veil. The Holy of Holies, was the, there was a veil that, that kept... You know, that only the high priest could enter in. If that veil, that's... That nobody could enter in. He's saying that I'll give you a hope that will empower you to go to the presence of God. I'll empower you with a hope that gets within the veil. doesn't keep you out on the outer courts. It takes you within the veil. And so that's the biggest, that's the biggest area. I've got to know, I've got to remember myself where my hope is set in. Where my hope is set. Because that's where it's anchored. All right? Um, 
it's interesting, this next one, hope that is seen is not, is not hope. And that's a hard statement, but that's what the word says. Look at this, and this is Romans, this is Paul. He is suffering in a lot of ways and as he's writing this. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's what Henry said. That's what Henry got a revelation of. He's like, okay, Lord, you know, what did he say? What was the statement? That sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. He got a a revelation of glory there. Uh, that wasn't compared to what he had just suffered. That sounds like fun. Uh, that's probably the word of the Lord for us today. Um, with the glory that is to be real. For the anxious longing of creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So you've got to realize, you know, God even set this whole thing up. Think about this. You know, if you're God and you realize that all this hard, evil stuff's going to happen, I mean, are you still going to do it? Are you still going to put forth people into that situation? Well, why did he do it? Look, for the, uh, for the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it in what? Hope that the creation, I'm oh, sorry, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. God did all of this so that in hope, that you would catch revelation of the glory of God as children, as a son, as a daughter. Why do we speak that all the time? Why do we try to get our brains wrapped around sons and daughters? Because that's that was his hope. Even in the reality is that he said hope in creation to, for you to become a son and daughter. He was willing to do that. He was willing to embrace the fact that he knew Fallen man would happen. He knew we knew things would happen like it happened. But he was willing to do that because he knew that you had the chance to become a son and daughter of the Most High God. The glory and and understand the glory of that. Um, go on to the next one. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth. He knew it was going to be hard together until now. And not only this, but we also ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan ourselves waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons. That's what Michelle was doing. You know, she's, she's like, Lord, can you just GPS? Can you just come back? You know, I just want to go home. Like, I just want to be with you. And that, that is, that's, that's some of that childbirth. I mean, that's, we're, they're groaning. We're groaning until then. But look at this in 24. In hope, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who, for who hopes for that which he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we with perseverance eagerly wait for it. We wait for it. So, you know, I'm not discouraged that maybe we haven't seen the fullness of the, he- the you know, what we would consider big healings. I'm encouraged that we've seen healing. We've, I mean, there's testimonies on the website of people getting healed. All right? Am I eagerly waiting for, you know, the Jim Evils to get out of the chair? You better believe it. Am I eagerly waiting for it? But I also got to add perseverance to it. That is where faith is established in persevering. When I don't see it, I gotta still believe. I've gotta still believe, and there's a place in that. There's there's a there's a place in that. Do we need times where we need encouragement and we need a better perspective? Absolutely. Um, and, and Michelle even got that. But look at this focus. Uh, this last one. Where so where does our focus of hope need to be? Of course, the Lord and His character. We talk about this scripture all the time. 
This I recall to mind. Therefore, I have what? Hope. I mean, if you remember what Jeremiah just had to do, I mean, he's talking to people that don't care about him. And he's trying to go back to the lost children of Israel and trying to get them to come out and say, you know, turn, turn from your ways. Well, who wants to hear that, right? You know, so we have, I mean, he's getting laughed at. He's getting mocked. He's getting whatever, you know. So he comes back to the Lord. He starts complaining, God, you're doing all this stuff to me. You're breaking my teeth. You know, all this crazy stuff. I mean, you can read right before it. It's hilarious. But all of a sudden, he comes back to this place. Wait a second. Wait a minute. This I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Okay, so what did he recall to mind? Did he recall to mind, all right, God, you're going you're gonna to take those people and deal with them, and they're going to get turned. They're going to turn from their wicked ways. Was that the hope that he had? Absolutely not. What did he turn to? The Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have what? Hope in Him. That's where it is. It's got to be. Hope is in Him. If the hope is in a circumstance, it, your soul will be anchored and it will be torn to and fro. Now, can I believe for healing? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm believing. But my hope is in Him. My hope is in Him. So I just felt like the Lord wanted to speak some a few things about that this morning because I think our hope has to be in Him. Like some of us have anchored hopes other places, hopes in a relationship working out, hopes in a you know getting the the house coming through or the the, the job coming through, or maybe our hopes ha- you know set in other things. Well, those go this, there, and the other way. If my hopes in Him, then I'm then I'm securely planted. I'm anchored in. The second part of that is the evidence of things not seen. And, and this is, I mean, like I said, we hit this a lot last week, but I felt like the Lord was just saying, You've got, we've got to get this deep in our soul. Like, it really has to come into a place where I continue to believe when I don't see. I mean, you think about this. I just thought, you, you go to that Hebrews 11 passage, right? The, the crazy founders of faith, fathers and mothers of faith, right? So you start reading through there. Well, I mean, almost all of them, had a situation where they couldn't see it, but they had to go. Or they couldn't see something, and they had to believe. When you think about Noah, I mean, Noah, God says there's going to be a flood that takes out the whole world. Right? And you're supposed to build this ark that has never been built before. You don't even know what a boat looks like, probably. You're supposed to build this ark, and then you're supposed to go collect some animals. And then you're supposed to take some people with you, and then, you know, God's going to... Resurrect life into the people of God because of this purging of. So, I mean, who anybody want to anybody want to start on that ark? I mean, who, I mean, the reality is, this is what he says: by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Right. Noah. I mean, we all hear those stories, but it was real. I promise you, it was real. I mean, he had to get, he had to put the first, he had to nail the first thing together and start on it. And he probably did a lot of it by himself. <laughs> Maybe some of his family was in on it, but he had to do it when nobody else could see it. He couldn't see it, but he knew God had spoken it. Think about this one. Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, 
And he, when he went out, he didn't know where what he was going. So, hey, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you an awesome piece of land. I just need you to go. But right, well, Lord, what are you going to give me some? Now, nah, just go, right? Just go. Now, so what are you going to depend on? You're going to depend on your ability. Remember last week we just talked about closure. You, if you can just close your eyes, just let's do that again. I didn't do that in this service. I did the second one. Felt like the Lord just saying, close your eyes. So just if you weren't in the if you're in the second service, you can do it again. But if you weren't in the first, just close your eyes. And just this is the place that we've got to operate from. This is a place where I've got to be able to start walking without being able to see. And that that's a scary place. I was I was telling them it's a scary place because as soon as I get over here to where I know there's some stuff, I'm going to start you know try to feel around and try to get my way, but you can open your eyes now, but there's a Lord, the Lord wants to to take you in a place where that's okay. Like that's the best place to be. The best place to be is for me to be in His presence, knowing where, knowing that He's going to lead me in that. And there's a place in that. But um, you know, even Abraham, he didn't know where he was going. God just said, "Go," because there is an inheritance of land, and so he goes. Um, Let's see. Not knowing where he was going by faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents, uh, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking, remember, this is why, where was his hope? Was his hope ultimately that he was going to find a physical piece of property? I think he, I think that was probably, you know, a purpose of God. But listen to what he says. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I don't know about you, but that sounds more like a heavenly city. Sounds like the heavenly Jerusalem he's talking about. And so there's a place that he was, even though he was going out and he, they did find the land, there was a place that he wasn't looking at that. I mean, you think about Sarah. We, um, we just talked about this one. Michelle brought it up. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive. Could she see... Could she see herself as being able to conceive? Absolutely not. Could she see herself as even having a physical baby? Absolutely not. But the Lord spoke it. She couldn't see it and laughed at it. I mean, remember, there was a place that she even laughed. We talked about that last week a little bit. But there's a place that all of a sudden she had to consider what? God faithful. That's what her, that's her that was her sight. That was her faith. Her, her faith. My faith is that, all right, God, you're faithful. Boom. She conceived so there's a place in that that God wants to take us to where we're there's con, there's conception there's things going on that God wants to birth in us even as Michelle was saying that that God's birthing this that rebirthing that faith uh, to walk in that Moses by faith Moses when he had grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter do you know what he he did in relationship to that he gave up his right to become be called Pharaoh's daughter I mean I mean daughter son yeah Pharaoh's Grandson, that's what I, sorry, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was giving up what? This place, I mean, he had it all. I mean, he had it all. Talk about not being able to see. You go from being able to see everything and having everything to a place where you're, listen to the rest of it, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. Hmm than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He would rather suffer than to enjoy passing pleasures of sin. And so there was a place, yeah, there was a, cho- cho- a choosing there. 
considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. You see that? Where was his hope? Treasures of Egypt or treasures of the kingdom? Treasures of the kingdom. He even, he even considered being reproached with Christ, being able, being able to, uh, being taking the reproach of, of what God was doing, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. How did he get through that? He considered him. He saw him. He saw him. He had his eyes on him. And look at this, Joshua. The faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled for seven days. anybody want anybody want to get in on that battle? Or, or you know, yeah, go uh, go uh, go around Pembroke, you know, seven times, and then you'll see all the walls fall down. I mean, I mean, this is a huge city, and all of a sudden, you're a mighty man, woman of God, Valerie. You got you got, you got your weapons, and all of a sudden, the Lord says, "Do this," and all of a sudden, you're like, "What? Huh?" I said, "No." Like, walk around the thing, and I will bring it down. In faith, they did that. Not being able to see it before it happened. But I bet you when all of a sudden it happened, boy, they were like, whoa, okay. And you would have thought they'd have gotten that clue, but <laughs> they still struggled through the wilderness and, and the battles. But but there's a, a place in that. So the battle is really for us for seeing. What are we seeing? And that's the place that God wants to take us. What are we seeing? What are we believing? Um, so just real quick, I want to just go through a couple of these because the reality of the promised land was huge. You think about this. When, in Genesis 17, it says, I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for the everlasting possession. I will be their God. And then in Leviticus, uh, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan to be your God. So God says that you'll have the promised land. There's a place that God's already declared that and said that. But you remember, and this is, this is the, the, like the Old Testament facet of faith. You remember the, the spies that, remember he goes out and they, Moses tells them to go spy out the land? Everybody remember that? Caleb, Joshua, that whole thing? That was a, I think that was a place that God was saying, faith. You need to have, there's a place of faith. He, did, he never sent the spies into the land to tell God whether they were supposed to go or not. You know, you think about that. Why would somebody send spies into the land? Well, usually they would send spies to, to figure out whether they're strong enough or weak enough or they're too weak or they're too strong or whether they got, whether this, that. God really never, God already said that it's your land. The big thing is that they spied it out and all of a sudden, what are they going to come back with? Are they going to see with their eyes? Are they going to be able to believe what the Lord has already said? And so you think about that. Uh, even in uh, this Numbers 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. <laughs> so what did he already say? Did he say, You're not going to get it, or you're going to get it? He says, You're going to get it. The Lord said to Moses, Send out yourself for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan which I am going to give the sons of Israel. He's already going to give it. You shall send a man from every one of the father's tribes, every one of the leader among them. I put the next one up there. I figured if you ever want to torment somebody or play a joke on them, you should get them to read this scripture. Just just tell them, hey, uh, 
you know, especially if you're in the middle of a Bible study or something, just get them to read this scripture um, up there. You can't hardly say it, but I, I mean, look at that. I mean, you got all sorts of things that I usually skip. Ruman, Shema, Secure. Anyway, I just thought that was hilarious. We're not going to read it. Um, but if you ever want to torment somebody, just make them read that scripture. That's awesome. So just remember that. Numbers 13. Just give them to start in verse 1 and go. And, and see how see if they can make it through there uh, anytime soon. All right, go on to the next one. 17. When Moses sent them out, so that was all the people he sent out. When Moses sent them out to, to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up into the land of Najib. Then go up into the hill country, see what the land is like, whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land, which they live, is it good or bad? How are the cities, you know, all that. Are there trees or not? Make an effort to get some of the fruit of the land. Um, Go on to the next one. Thus they told him when they came back, we went into the land where you sent us. It certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. Very large. Moreover, he saw the descendants of Anak. Amalek is living in the land of Najib. The Hittites, all the ites, are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living in the sea by the Jordan. So they went out and got all the info. Now the problem is, is that there's two sides of this. Are you going to see with your eyes? Are you going to see in the Spirit? So what did Caleb and Joshua do? They came back seeing in the Spirit. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely, not we will overcome it, he threw, we will surely overcome it. Like there's no question in his mind. Did he see the same giants that were in the land? I don't know if y'all catch that. I mean, they're like, when we don't even understand that. We don't even talk about it much anymore in church, but giants, like 9 to 15 foot people. Like, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to go into all that, but they're like giants in the land. Like that, those people were living there. And I don't understand all that, so I don't even claim to go there. But the reality is, is that giants were in the land. They saw all the people that they were going to have to conquer. And Caleb still came up with what? Let's do it. Let's go. Because why? Because he knew that in his own power he could do that? No, because he went back to the word of the Lord that said, I will give you this land. And so that was the place. Now the other people came back, the men who had gone up with him the next, on the next one there, Amy. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people for they are too strong for us. I mean, I'm not sure how they figured that out. I mean, did they go and talk to them? Or, no, they just saw them. They saw with their eyes. They saw with their eyes. For they are too strong for us. They gave out, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. And that's the hard part. When we see with our eyes, then the report cannot always be the report. Not, may not always be the report of the Lord. And that's why I can't see with my physical eyes. And I'm not, I don't want to just go in blind faith. I want to hear the. Remember, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So, you know, I just want. To, I don't want to go just believe anything crazy, this, that, and the other. I want to believe what God's saying, what His character is believing. And so they gave out the bad report, and. Uh, and it's interesting. Look at this last passage. Uh, they gave out a bad report uh, of the land which they had spied out, the land which we had gone and spying it out. It is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great size. They are also, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. Those were the giants. And we became like grasshoppers, where? 
in our own sight? Did they become grasshoppers in their sight or our sight? Remember, because they're looking with their eyes. When you look with your eyes, you many times see yourself and make yourself like what? A grasshopper. In this, their sight. And so there's a place that God wants to resurrect that you being able to see. You being able to see who you are. You being able to see who God is. The reality is I can only see who I am in relationship to who God is. That's the key. That's the key. All right? But, uh, last few things that, you know, in relationship to the disciples. You remember that. These are, I'm not going to go through them that. But you remember the disciples, you know, they went across to the sea. I mean, this is the, every step of the way. You can go through the whole Bible. Every step of the way, they were, they were asked whether you're going to see or not see. And this is where I want to really get to today. Leaving them, he embarked and went to the other side. They had forgotten to take bread. Of course, this is after, remember, this is after the feeding of the 6,000, uh, 5,000. Then they fed another 4,000. And all of a sudden, they're in the boat, and they had forgotten to take bread, uh-oh, and did not have more than one loaf in the boat. Now, you think about that. He took five loaves and two, bre- two fish and did what? Fed the masses with them. They only took one loaf of bread. And all of a sudden, they're what? Panicking. And you're like, What? You know, he's giving orders to say to them, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you discuss that the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Well, they did have eyes, but what were they seeing? Tell me what they saw. They saw the what? They saw one loaf. You know, so God's saying, all right, so I need your eyes to change. I need your eyes to start seeing not the one loaf. I need your eyes to start seeing Jim Evil standing. I need you to start seeing ears, hearing. I need you to start seeing eyes open when you don't see them. With your physical eyes, I need you to start seeing that in your spirit. Because look at this, he said, when I then he's like, like, do you not remember when I broke the loaves of the five thousand? How many were how many baskets did you pick up? Twelve, you know. When I broke the seven for the four, how many did you pick up? Okay, seven. And he was saying that don't you yet understand? Don't you yet see with your eyes? What are you looking at? How are you seeing it? Um, look, you remember David or no Thomas? Remember Thomas? They always call him doubting what? Doubting Thomas. Well, why? Because the Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not one of them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, "We have seen the Lord." But he said to them, "Unless I see his hand in his sorry, unless I see in his hands the what imprint of the nails, unless I put my finger in the place of the nails, put my hand into his side, I won't. I will not believe." Golly, he's saying, "I won't have faith." And what you're saying until I see it. It's not even, I mean, they're just on the basis of what they've seen. Think about this. Going to the next one. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. Thomas with them. Jesus came. Doors had been shut. He came in the midst. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here. First thing he did. Thomas, hey, reach here. Put your fingers here. Reach here. Reach your hand into my side. And then what did he declare? Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Don't be without faith. Faith. Like, don't, don't not faith. Faith. 
You know, it's, it's just hard. I mean, that's the word. Faith. Right? Faith. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And, and listen to what he said. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who do not see, yet believe. Now, do you, I mean, you think about this. Do we consider ourselves blessed if I don't see the Lord? Or if I, if I don't see the Lord and believe? Or if I actually saw the Lord and believe? I think we would say that we're blessed here. I'm not so sure we'd say, I'm blessed if I don't see the Lord, but I still believe. That's where God's declaring blessing. If you want to be blessed, believe when you don't see. If you want to be in, in, inheriting that blessing, believe when you don't see. Thomas, I mean, it was great. Thomas got to see Jesus. I don't think it was a ultimately condemning thing. It was just the fact that he was saying, no, there's another type of level that you can get to, to where you can see when you don't see here, you can see. All right? So how do we respond? Because Oh, and then David, I love this one. I would, have, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This is when he was being, I mean, you go read 20, Psalm 27, and he's in a hard situation. But there's a place that, what, what was his hope in? The character of God. God, if, if, I'm, if I would have despaired unless I would have believed. I would have seen your goodness in the land of the living. And that's, that's the cool part about it. We get to believe in the goodness and the working out of God. And so how do you respond? Because the problem is, you know, you ever, because you hear these scriptures like James 1. How do I work? How do I do this without just performing it out? How do I have faith with that just out like, okay, God, all right, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to hear you and I'm just going to go do something. I'm going to do something. Well, God has never, not really... He's calling us to be active in our faith, but there's a response. Because even in James, it says, even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? Dead. Okay? So, I mean, but that is, I mean, you think about it. If I have faith in the Lord Jesus and, and then I just don't, I do zero, then, then the reality is, is that that can be dead. But the reality is that God wants us to believe. But if someone may say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. And I will show you my faith by my works. So there's a place that, okay, so what, what is the, because there's a place that I don't want to go just perform faith. I don't want to just go, man, well, okay, God said I'm supposed to have faith, so I'm just supposed to go do the impossible, do this, that, and the other, and I'm just going to step out in blind faith. I don't think God wants us to step, I think many times we get in that mode. All right, we get these messages about faith, and we're like, all right, so I'm just going to go do something, because they, they're, they're saying I've got to go be, i got to have faith. But God, it's something deeper than that. Because um, think about this in Romans. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but what is due. Okay, so if you're working for something, then it's due you, right? But to the one who does not work, but what? Believes, face, face, but face in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So it, it isn't about, and then even in First Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope. I mean, there's some work, there's work to be done. I mean, but it's not physical, it's not the work that we think of. We think of as Americans, you talk about work, and we're like, for me, I'm like, I'm just going to go get something done. Like, that's me. I, I am the go-get-it-done person. Like, give me a job. Give me a 
pile of wood, and I'll get that wood cut and stacked, and that, and then I'll feel good about myself. And that's sometimes the work that we do in the kingdom of God. And we'll go do something and try to make that what is what we feel good about. But God's saying, no, no, I want you to believe. It is a work of faith. Second uh, Thessalonians, we can skip that one, but it also says work of faith. But look at this. So what is the work of God? And this is what I want to get down to. Last, last scripture, John 9. John 9. Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, all right, this is a good question. So all of a sudden they're like, man, we, we ate of the food. We, we got the loaves and the fishes. We saw that. And so all of a sudden it's like, all right, so t- tell me what I need to do to do that. Right? Anybody ever want to do that? I'm like, all right, tell me what I need to do to, to, to get the loaves and fishes going. You know, how, do, how do you get that process going? How do I feed the 5,000? How, how do I do that on a daily basis? So they asked him. Then they said to him, um, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? What shall we do that we can do this? All right, so what does he say? You know, go pray a lot. Go, um, go make sure that you're fasting. Make sure you're having a quiet time every day. Are those awesome things? Absolutely. Uh, uh, make sure that, you know, you're, you're being a very good Christian. Is that what he said? I mean, is any of that what he said? No. Jesus answered and said to them, said to them this is the work of God. Okay? If you want to know how to work for God, you do this. This is the work of God, that you believe in Him. That you faith in Him. That your faith is in Him. That's the work of God. Now, a lot of us, that, like me, I don't, I don't like that because I want to like, do something so then I will be okay before the Lord. But the reality is, is that when I have faith, and it's real, like, active faith, Man, I want to go. I mean, I want to love on people. I want to like go serve in the nursery. I want to go help out with those things. Those are things that happen after that, like out of that. And there's a place that this is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. It's interesting. The last part of that scripture says, "So they said to Him, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you?' (laughs) They're going back to what? What they can what? See, they want, they want something that they can see. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. So they're going, well, you gave them something to see in the wilderness. That is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And look what he said. I mean, there's reality. He said, well, you, you gave them manna. They saw it every day. They saw a, a, a miracle of God before them. They should have known that you were God, right? Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They say to them, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, you got it. Because what? I am the bread. Like, you're missing it. If you're missing the sign because of you, you're missing who the... Like, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And so there's a place that they could even see him with their physical eyes. 
but they weren't seeing with their spiritual eyes. And so there's a place in that. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And there's a place that God, you know, just in that, you know, uh, just wants to make this declaration, declaration that I am the bread. Like, I am the bread of life. Like, see me. Not the manifestation of the manna on the ground. The reality is that they, they were missing him. They were missing the one. And so I think the Lord was just, I think through the testimony of Michelle and the, the, the reality of where we're at, it, there is a call to the body. There's a call to this body, to you as an individual, for your family, for where you're at, to be able to begin to see, not with your eyes, not with your mind, but to be able to see with your spirit, seeing in Him, seeing what He's doing, and not with our physical eyes. And that's a, that's a hard place to be. Because, like I said, until I, like, until I get acclimated to this room, I mean, as soon, as soon, well, I mean, I know this room pretty well. So I might even, if I close my eyes, I might be able to get around it. But I think some of us maybe are feeling a little fearful of doing that because we don't really know that. And I think, I, I believe the Lord's calling us to this place of relationship with Him that, that it's not based on what I see. It's based on Him. It's based on His character. It's based on who He is. It's not on what I can see in this world. It's not on what I can hear. You know, because even he called the disciples. You know, you have eyes, but you are not seeing. You have ears, but you're not hearing. And so it's not a condemnation thing. He was calling them forth to say, no, you can really see. No, you can really see. Going back to the very first thing I started with, do you, could you really see that this morning, that he really loves to be loved by you? Can you see that? And if you can't see that, I'm just going to pray this morning that you can really experience, not only see that, but that experience, that know that in, de- in, in, in the depths of who you are. And so let's just stand. I'm, I'm going to pray unless anybody else has got anything that I hear from. Oh, that's right. Let me do that. Okay. Um, Brandon just, relationship to healing this morning uh acid reflux there was a, just a specific word for that so uh if you struggle with that um just come over brandon will, brandon these guys and allison will be over here at least i know maybe some others to pray for you this morning if you have any other physical things that you want to see healed and restored uh just come over and they'll pray for you um but this morning i just like i said i, don't, I really don't know the fullness of what how to respond because a lot of times it's in these messages that has that has to be a, there has to be a place of death. But if you just want us to lay, encourage you and pray for you, lay hands on you in relationship to your spiritual eyes, your spiritual ears, that maybe you feel like, man, all I can see with is with my physical eyes and my uh, spiritual, uh, my physical eyes, my physical ears. It's gonna be a place that you can come and get prayer this morning. I just. I just wanted to say, especially to the men in the back row and to some of the men over here on the side, and um, just I was standing in the back, and my heart for the men, as, as Mitch was preaching, just kept, kept just being burst wide open, is that in hearing the things that Mitch was preaching, I could see the seeds of what the Lord wanted 
to enter into your hearts bouncing off because the judgments of your past and the condemnation of past actions were coming and hindering your capacity to be able to grab a hold and say, like, like you were being the grasshoppers in your own eyes. And I know, I know what it's like to be confronted with the things that you've done and to fight that fight to not judge your value and your worth based on those things that would love to scream into your ears and hinder you from being able to hear the massive truths that Mitch was preaching this morning. And I just know that it's in the Father's heart this morning to bring healing to that. Like I could see ticker tape almost all around your heads and the lies that you were believing about yourself that are hindering your faith. And I just know that that's a tactic of the enemy to hinder your walk. And I just, I just know that that, this, this is on your father's heart, on the, on the father's heart for you. You know, um, Chad, I didn't recognize you from back. I even had to ask, um, Leah who you were. But I think that as I paused and I was like, I know Chad, like, why would that happen? Is because I think I was just seeing like this battle of what the enemy wants you to look like and what the Lord says you are like. That you are that. But there's this battle that the enemy is trying to convince you of all these things that you are and that you aren't. And yet the Father, the Father, it just even like tying in what Michelle said, there's a well done over your life. There's a well done over your life. The guy in the orange shirt, there is a well done. You're talking to your friend, but Mm -hmm. there is a well done over your life. A well done. It's important that you lay a hold of this. You are not grasshoppers. You are like the Davids getting on the mighty field with a stone, saying to the giants in the land, no, my God is victorious within me, and I'm going to defeat you. You're not called to be grasshoppers. And for any time in your life where you were told you're a grasshopper, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, especially in a man in the orange. The words you've heard about your worth and your identity, they are, some of them are so full of the, the enemy's plans for you. But the Lord says that he has plans for you not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. You have a future. You are not a grasshopper. You are not a grasshopper. Your glasses on your head and the teal shirt. You are not a grasshopper. You are a giant slayer. Chad, you are a giant slayer. You are a giant slayer. I forgot your name. Again, like I'm Jim Driscoll. He always forgets names, but I should know your name. But you're a giant slayer. You're a giant slayer. That's who you are. That's who you've always been. You men, you're giant slayers. So I'm just, unfortunately we're running out of time because I wish we had about another 15 minutes to, but I'm just going to call you if you, if if that was anything in relationship to you that you want prayer for this morning. I'm going to have also, you know, go left. Um. So Michelle and Joe will come, and I, I just felt like they should come. If, if you're having a, if anything in relationship to maybe some things she spoke of that they can pray over you about in relationship to death or relationship to just struggling in those areas, I want them to be up here. And 
But I'm just going to close out because we got we have another group of people coming in here. But there's a place that God wants to just minister to you. So we're going to stay around. So don't don't feel like you got to rush out. So but just stay around and just get some prayer this morning. So if I can have some people that will come up and pray this morning. So Lord, thank you for for this morning. Thank you for that word that God that you've declared. God, what what we see is not always what's really there god we need to see we need to see with your with your eyes we need to see not with our own eyes our own eyes or our own ears we don't need to hear god i want to be able to see and hear with your eyes now faith that place of faith god i want to the assurance of faith i want what they are hoping in to be the anchor of our their soul and that is you you are the anchor of their soul god father i want god what they're the evidence of things that they're seeing that they're seeing of you and your character and your goodness. So, Lord, we just thank you for that this morning. We just ask in Jesus' name these things will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So, come get prayer if you want. Um, otherwise, maybe grab your kids because we, we've gone a little late. So, But just encourage you, come get prayer.